When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another match preview, and this is going to be fun. It's Forest versus Boring, sorry, I mean Bournemouth, sorry John. <laughs> and we've got our good mate, you all know him from Beat the Drop, it is of course Statman John from Cherry's Red Army. The link is in the title, go and show him some love, because when we smash them, I want you guys to go and give them some trolling in their chats. Johnny Boy, how are you mate? Oh, I miss you too, Wolvie. I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, mate? Oh, mate, if you'd asked me 24 hours ago, it'd have been different. <laughs> right now, I'm just tired, man. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> but, John, let's start with what you've made of the whole Cooper Owl and Nuno in. Have, have you taken it from an outsider looking in, mate? Um, well, I suppose it's 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 a funny one. I think I'm, I brought it up on Beat the Drop last time, last time I think, uh, that Bournemouth and Forest statistically were the two worst teams last season. And almost any way you want to slice it, every every measure attacking and defensive wise, Bournemouth and Forest were the worst two teams last season. Bournemouth decided that they didn't really want that to happen anymore. So they would rather not take the risk with the same guy that had got them in that spot, even if he kept us up. And we do still very much appreciate Gary O'Neill for what he did. We really do. But some fresh new ideas, something interesting, something that we were going to enjoy was decided was uh, was the way to go. It was a risk, but it was one that was worth taking. And whilst almost anyone outside of the Bournemouth fan base decided that Iriola in Garonial out was one of the worst possible decisions you could have made, everyone inside Bournemouth knew exactly that that was knew that that was a sensible decision we were willing to back the board for it and and push on from there and I think it's taken paying dividends forest side of things um you didn't gamble you decided to stick uh, and instead made sure to bring in a bunch of shiny new players to try and to bring bring you into a better a better era a more prosperous situation but unfortunately it's the same man that puts out the team. And when you go one win in 13, I want to say, was it? Correct. Statman John knows his stats. Huh? <laughs> um, that's that's pretty sackable in, mod in modern day. That's pretty sackable in modern day football. So, um, and given given the performances of last year, yes, you might be able to turn around. No, I don't think you would have gone down even if you kept Cooper. That's down to how poor the rest, the bottom three are, yeah. not down to how good Cooper is at doing well with Forrest, even though he did do well right at the end of last season. So, um, yeah, personally, I think it's a little bit overdue, um, but I think it was a good call. And I think that out of all possible managers that were available, I think you've done a pretty decent job at, uh, in the, or Maranakis has picked a pretty decent uh, man for the job. But admit it, John. You wish this was happening next week and not this oh, week. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. God, do I wish you'd saved, saved this for another week. Because um, now, because what, what I thought might have been a really nice, relatively comfortable afternoon, I say relatively comfortable, I still think it would have been a difficult game. 
now suddenly I've got no idea what's going to happen, and I've I've lost a lot of faith that we're going to be leaving with three points from uh, from the city ground now, which is not how I was feeling thirty six hours ago. The arrogance has gone. I love it. I love it. But the problem is, well, from our perspective, right, is that you are turning into a bit of a bogey team, mate. And it's kind of getting annoying. Right? <laughs> Even though we drew, we drew, didn't we, um, at your place last season? Super Sammy Sarage there with the late one of four. Yeah, came so back. It was, it was that draw. one, wasn't it? It yeah. was, yeah. It was a dire game. But, you know, you, I reckon you guys still do feel confident. I feel like you look at Forest sometimes as your cup final, mate. You know, the big European champions, little old Bournemouth with their broken roof. Does it? Does it? Is that right? Or is there a little bit of needle with you guys? Because I know you're still looking around for a local rival, and no one really cares if you. <laughs> you're a bit like Leicester with Forest, yeah. When you're doing that with your Southamptons and what have you, but is there is there a little animosity between the two clubs, especially with the recent history you've had? Um, I mean, you're not wrong about the local rival thing. I, I've never <laughs> got, I've never got the desire to try and force Southampton into considering us rivals um especially when they've got Portsmouth we we're never going to get we're never going to get over them um but in terms of a bit of needle yeah i think there's a little bit of a little bit of it i mean um Bournemouth kind of developed a weird rivalry with Watford over a, over a period because we went up and we went up together then we went down together yeah and there was this period where we would have a load of really feisty games. I think we drew about six games in a row, something ridiculous. Um, and a lot of them got quite feisty and it turned into a weird social media derby thing. And with Forest, obviously now we're up and they're sort of languishing a bit in the championship. So we've forgotten that one with Watford, but with Forest, it all started because of it all definitely, if there is any, it started because of Forest fans, because when we were sort of just about petering along in second place under Parker, watching some pretty drab football, we're getting results here and there, and you were shooting up the league with Cooper, it really became a thing of we're coming for you, was the Forest fans were looking at Bournemouth and going, we're coming for you. And you kept that, and, you know, that drum got banged for half a season, particularly with the suspended match, um, debacle and the roof and all that jazz so you're going to admit that was all fake no i'm not going to say it's all fake i'm saying it it fueled the rivalry yeah um and it also made us more annoyed at you um because you wouldn't because you still haven't shut up about it um but then um of course that all came to a came to um a conclusion with the game down at the vitality where obviously where um where we won um Jesus. and the fact that will you admit their, now the fact that their bus that your bus went off with so many supporters with a fanfare to say that this is the game we win and we get automatic promotion with it and then it didn't happen made it quite sweet um when we did win that one in the end Mate, there were more fans around that bus than you can fit in your stadium <laughs> that's the thing here and you didn't need fans anyway because i want you to admit live on this well pre-recorded on this preview that sam surridge should have had a penalty and that linesman was paid off because you cheated he wasn't paid off but 
Uh, I'd have to look back, but I'd probably agree with you. Okay. Um, I think I'd probably agree with you. I tend you to be pretty good at finding neutral ground, um, or rather just being objective. Um, I do remember there being at least one dodgy decision in that game. So, um, yeah, sure, can say that. But even if it was a draw, we still would have gone off automatically ahead of you. So You would have not... been 1-0 up, you know, the whole butterfly effect. You'd have been in the playoffs. You would have lost to Sheffield United. And then it's like, well, actually, you probably would have got Luton if you'd finished third. So anyway, that's all history, mate. But we yes. are now both with the big boys, right? We're both with the big boys. And I hate to admit it, and I won't admit this much, but I am starting to grow some respect towards Bournemouth. I love you, manager. I don't love you, manager. I, I rate your manager. Ugh. I'm going to have to edit that love word out. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> and the recruitment's been good. Yes, you started off slow, but what do you, where do you think the turning point has been in your own? Because you're top of the form table at the moment. What was it that flipped that switch? Because it felt like a switch flicked. I know it's the Newcastle game where I was suddenly like, whoa, what's going on here? But were you guys seeing signs of it coming or did it feel like the light just came on? There were definitely signs. There were absolutely signs. I think that... The big turning point is definitely getting the first win was against Burnley. Coming from coming from behind mm. to win that game two one was 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 massive, and I'm I'm not. Um, I mean, heck, I did it. I, I said it towards. I've said it in videos. I I will openly admit I was becoming worried about our, our situation. I never asked. I never called for the manager's head. But what I did say was that there have been some good moments, particularly in the first sort of like five to six games. I felt like the nil-nil draw at home to Chelsea wasn't great, but it was decent. Mm. The first half against Brighton was great. How we went into that halftime 1-1, I really don't know. Um, but then when we got battered at home 4-0 to Arsenal and we lost 3-0 away to Everton, which was like the first game that I went, right, that's the game we should be doing well in. And we yeah. got destroyed. I was like, okay, now all this hype, all this signs of encouragement, that's, that's over. You've got to start getting the wins. It's like, mm -hmm. I said, if he doesn't get some decent results against Burnley maybe not Newcastle, but certainly Burnley and Sheffield United. If he doesn't pick anything from those, now we've got to talk about, now we've got to talk about where this club is going. And we went one nil down and we weren't all that convincing in terms yeah. of the fact that our two goals, Burnley gave them to us. It was a really, yeah. it was a, it was far too haphazard at the back, a good goal from Billing to get the second, but the keeper maybe could have done a little bit better with it. But just getting that first win on the board just completely changes the atmosphere around the club. We then go to Man City, and I told you this on Beat the Drop. We go to Man City and lose 6-1, and I still think that was the best away performance we've put in against Man City. And it's the worst <laughs> defeat we've ever had. But, uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things sometimes. And then we play a completely knackered Newcastle and beat them 2-0 quite comfortably. And then suddenly you've got two wins at home on the spin, and you're like, okay, there's some confidence flowing. And once we beat Sheffield United and we go into um, the game against uh, Villa. Into the game against Villa, 
and you just see so much more about the side about what Iriola wants in that Villa game. Um, you were it, worked, it worked against Newcastle as well, but it was it was like that Villa game was the sort of one where I'm like, okay, you can make excuses for Newcastle that they were tired. You can say that Burnley are crap. You can say that Sheffield United are crap. Aston Villa are no mugs, even if their away record isn't like their home record. Mm. They're up there for a reason, and we were pretty unlucky to not win that game. Yeah, so. It was when, late, wasn't it? Watkins, wasn't it? It was a 90th, 91st winner header from Watkins. One of the best headers you'll ever see. I've got no qualms with He's that. He's terrible at heading the ball, man. He misses so many easy ones and he scores but that one. That one, that one was ridiculous. Um, yeah. Should have blocked the cross, but once the cross got in, uh, I, I've got no issues with, with, his, with his goal in terms of the header. And then... Yeah, and then it's all starting to sort of steamroller. Beating beating Crystal Palace away was a was kind of a landmark for me because mm. we are awful against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are our bogey opponents, from what I can, mm. in my opinion. It doesn't matter what kind of form we're in or they're in, we will play badly. The good news is Crystal Palace were playing just as badly, uh, and uh, and we beat them two 0 at theirs. And then obviously it's the Man United game, which I really wish I put some money on because I was very confident we would win that. Um, but <laughs> in the end. It was, um, yeah, it's, it's just steamrolled. Um, and I do think that there were definitely signs at the start of the season. There were real encouraging aspects, but it just needed the, that one win. It just needed something for the players to be able to hang their hat on to say, this is working. And when we got against Burnley, that was it. The, the thing I want to ask you about, because during that crappy run you had at the start, a lot of the Bournemouth fans are complaining about Neto. I think he got dropped at some point in there as well. And he's back in between the sticks. Are you guys still comfortable with Neto? Because I know there's been a lot of criticism come his way at the start of the season. But have you seen... I mean, he's had two, two clean sheets in a row now, hasn't he? But are you yeah. feeling confident in him? Yeah, I think, I think that issue's somewhat gone away now. Mm. Um, but I don't think it'll be long before it resurfaces at some point. It definitely will at some point this season. There will be a conversation that will come back up again. Neto, I have no issues. Uh, I have no doubt that that will happen. Yeah. Um, the thing was last season is that Neto was great for us, but what people weren't talking about was the mistakes he was making. And the reason they weren't talking about it is because not one of his make mistakes cost us a goal. But yeah. if you were paying attention, he made a fair share of mistakes, but it would be like the ball would end up dropping quite wide we'd just about be able to stop from going in he'd punch a, he'd punch something that he should catch but it doesn't nothing comes of it whereas yeah. the start of this season most of the mistakes he made led to a goal and you know if you've if you've watched football for a while you've probably got to the point at which you're frustrated that keepers don't catch the ball anymore there's definitely you've definitely said some most fans have probably said why didn't he catch that so basically, every the Everton game is one had. that stands out, isn't it? Yeah, the big, the Everton game yeah. is probably one of the big ones. But Neto is a massive fan of punching the ball clear. Yeah. And sometimes I don't have an issue with it. But the benefit to catching the ball is it just relieves pressure. And if you only punch it and it goes straight to the opposition, your defense just the pressure just builds. And it happened against Everton. He punched the ball out. It wasn't long before he en they ended up. Um, we conceded. I think it happened twice actually, if I remember correctly. Yeah. One punch I blame him for. Another I don't as much. But he made a mistake earlier in the build up to so that second and one. Was it that, was it Harrison who scored that one where he punched it out long to him? Or was it? Yeah, Harrison was the one. He sort of punched it, but he punched it as he was being knocked into by yeah, the former yeah. player. Yeah. But that was but he that one i don't blame him for but slightly earlier there was a previous cross where he punched it but could have caught it and then mm -hmm. that led to another cross 
and that's where the pressure builds. Um, and I think it was the first goal that he should have punched, uh, that he should have caught, he punched, and they ended up scoring from a second cross. Um, so it was a combination of the punching and the mistakes leading to goals. And he then went down, he went, he had an illness or an injury. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was an injury that kept him out for about two or three weeks. Radu came in, and while a lot of Bournemouth fans have been calling for Radu to get a go, he was crap. He's just as big a pan of punching. Yeah. So it didn't settle anyone's nerves. Um, and uh, and yeah, as soon as Neto was fit again, he came straight back in. We actually recalled Mark Travers um, to um, because Neto was injured and Randolph was ill, uh, who hasn't played a minute of a league or cup game, I think, since we brought him in. Um, and then Travers has come in and has only ever sat on the bench. And Stoke are not Stoke fans aren't happy with us that we've that we brought him back because he was doing quite well in the championship. But um, yeah, it, it's like I said, it's it's all fine now, particularly that the team are winning. It does make a big difference to how yeah. much fans talk about that, neg- that negatively if you're winning. Um, I guarantee that conversation is going to be had again before the end of the season. At some I point, he's going to he's going to punch something and we'll concede straight after it, and fans will be all over him again. This uh, weekend, fickle like that. This weekend, he's going to punch it straight onto uh, Wood's head. It will deflect not, Wood's yeah. head and it will deflect him. But I want to talk sure about, about the positives, mate, <laughs> on, on Bournemouth. Uh, Semenyo, I know he didn't have the greatest game against Manu, but he's he's caught my eye. I'm actually liking your attack quite a lot because you've got um, the ex-Middlesbrough guy, Tavernier, who we were close to buying when you bought him as well. He's pitching in with a few decent goals. And now Clivert's getting in the team as well. And obviously Solanke, he's starting to find his shooting boots again. Um, but outside of all of those, I think Cook has impressed me as well, holding that that midfield. Are you starting to feel that the attacking quartet, if you like, is finding a bit more freedom because you got Cook and Christie's playing with him, isn't he, alongside? Yeah. Are you finding that they're giving you more control, even though it's a two-man midfield? but it's helping to release your attacking side. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because it's one that I'd like to sort of be able to look back at some games just to see or be able to see a bigger picture back of some of the movements of the attackers. But Ryan Christie has always been a number 10 or maybe a right mid. Mm. And now with Billing, I think he might have had a knock or something, so couldn't play. Adams is out. Scott is out. Rothwell isn't a defensive midfielder. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the temp- he, he doesn't have the ability to read the game defensively. He's good, decent going forward, but he can't do it defensively. So what Iraola loves is energy running nonstop, uh, which Christy Christy could play 180 minutes every three days and he'd have no mm-hmm. issues. He's got a ridiculous energy on him, and he kind of just had to be dropped to play in the double pivot with Cook, and it's mm-hmm. been an accidental masterstroke. Um, Lewis Cook has suddenly turned into the player that we all all hoped that he would turn yeah. into when he was playing as a number six really well in a four three three for Parker in in the championship. Then got an injury, so I had to drop out. But he's he's got his back to his ball winning aggressive best, but with that quality on the ball. Ryan Christie is doing what I hoped Philip Billing would do from that position more often, yeah. which is just drift forward and just pick up pockets and start distributing the ball left and right. Um, and really sort of help with the attack. But Ryan Christie also has, I think I saw a stat that in the last four to six game weeks, no player has produced more tackles than him in the Premier League. or something. It's something like that. His defensive numbers are ridiculous at the moment, as, as are Cooks in tackles and interceptions. Um, 
And it's just combining really well. And the funny thing is, is that you would think the massive weakness of them is the lack of height and the lack of physicality, because they're both mm -hmm. like, they're both like three foot tall. And yet, like, heck, against Newcastle, even if they were tired, they're still going up against Joe Linton, Gimaraish, and I think it was Miley was the other one. They're all over six. They're, well, Gimaraish isn't, but Joe Linton's pretty big. Miley's mm. over six foot. And and yet we boss the midfield with with just with those two. And because Christie's now no longer playing in the 10, and what Christie often, Christie does a lot of good work, but his actual goal and assist numbers are terrible. And he would, I think he came too deep a lot. And what you've now got with Semenyo and Tavernier on either wing that swap all the time, every other game they're on different wings. You've got two players that can go both ways that are very happy to dribble with the ball and have got real strength. Semenyo in particular. I mean, if you watched Lewis Hall try to tack, tackle Semenyo in that Newcastle game, it, it was like a 12-year-old trying to yeah. take him back. He literally bounced off him. So those two work really well off the wings. And Cliver kind of just provides this roaming role where I feel like neither the midfielders or defenders can really pick him oh. up. Mm. And it's leaving Solanke to focus on running in behind. And just now and again, he'll drop deep and link up play. But he's so much inside the 18-yard box now. He's not making too many really wide runs like he was under Parker and O'Neill. He's staying very narrow, and he's being so much more involved in a, as being an actual goal threat. And, you know, he scored eight goals in the league, I want to say, from an XG of 8.3. He's, he's on target for exactly what you would expect from mm -hmm. all the chances that he's been given. So, all told, it's actually performing a really cohesive front six. Um, and it means the defenders... Don't the fullbacks don't really need to get forward to support it, so we can actually be a little bit more secure defensively as well. All told, it's just sort of settled really well. As an Dick you don't sound like your Man City here, mate. Seriously, come on, <laughs> like, are you stationed, mate? Hey, I'm saying that we're decent. That's what I'd hope from a Premier League side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for us to get to that stage. <laughs> Look at hey, that. You manager now; it might happen. Yeah, manager bounce, baby. You remember those words. Manager <laughs> bounce incoming. Um, just switching over to Forest. I know it's tough to do because I know you asked me on your preview, like name the team. I'm not gonna go that far with you because we could be here all night trying to figure it out. But is there anyone who's catching your eye at Forest um that worries you? Um I would say that if if a one you was playing, definitely would have I would have been worried about a one you. Yeah. Um, but I think Alanga has been an interesting one. Um, I think maybe his goal and assist numbers aren't as high as I might have expected with, with the amount of, with, I mean, he hasn't played every game. It hasn't been a consistent yeah. lineup, but, um, I think, I think he's one that, that might worry me. Um, I think, um, I mean, Sangari I liked before before he came there, yeah. but I don't think we've seen the best of him by any stretch That's yet. Yeah. Um, I liked now. Danilo towards the end of last season. Yeah. Um, but again, it's difficult to pick up too many players because like, you're in the position you're in right. because yeah. not a lot of performances have come through. I actually so... respect that answer. And, and I'm sure Ant will be watching. He might be applauding you because normally what happens, especially when we do a preview with like a big six team, I won't take one guess at who they will name. Um, Morgan Gibbs White. 
Correct. Who's yeah. been not great this season. No. <laughs> and you have to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, Morgan, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, want to make I, him feel bad, I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I kind of agree with you. I mean, at the moment, I'd say our two form players are probably Mangala and Marilla, and probably Harry Tuffalo. Marillo's, to... Marillo, to be fair, the one one of the, I think, was it Aston Villa or Liverpool? Villa, I yeah. think I watched, I watched a decent chunk of both of those games, yeah. I think. And Marillo definitely stood out as the, to the centre, but the ball-playing centre-back, yeah. who made a few mistakes as well, to be fair. He does like to take yes. the ball a little bit too far at times. He's definitely, Correct. he's one that, if I was a City fan, I'd be going, mm, Bournemouth high press, he might... Uh, he might thrive or crumble. So that'll be an interesting one, I think. So do you, do you play a high press now under Ariola? Yeah. It's 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 a pretty decent. It's not I think I think the 4-0 loss to um Arsenal was pretty important in him sort of dialing back how aggressive he mm-hmm. makes the press at times and away from home we aren't as full on. But then we kind of were against Man United for long periods. So I think he just he just changes it depending on the game. We can be very aggressive, but we can sort of, you know, hold more of a mid block and not quite go as strong. But in the right circumstances, you know, we'll have six to eight players in, in your half trying to press you off the ball and try and create a chance from winning it just outside your box so it'll happen at some point uh and and it'll happen quite a few times against uh forest in the weekend so come on john how cocky and confident are you feeling what are you calling it if you'd asked me a day or so ago i would have really been very confident of a win um i can't be that confident for it anymore um there's not a lot of games i've called wins on so far this season and i've been mostly right for those not every time but mostly but um in this game i can't i can't say i'm predicting a win for this one i do think we should be getting a point though um and really away from home i'm happy with a point in most circumstances even if you are um down just outside the relegation zone. I still you've been there, mate. Don't you start getting cocky. You were there like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, two weeks is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'd, I'd I'd still be very happy with a draw. I think um, before the game, I might say something different to you if we dominate possession and don't win. But um, I think I think I'll be happy with the draw. I think I'll go with a. I think I'll go one one. One one sitting on the fence. Yeah, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I don't know is my honest answer. All I know is I'm more confident than I was 48 hours ago. But John, it's been a joy and fun as always to sit down and have a chat with you guys. Those of you watching right now, pause what you're doing. Hit the link that's in the title for Cherry's Red Army. It will take you straight there and hit that subscribe button because we are going to batter them and then we're going to troll them and then we're going to talk about their roof again. And make sure you've hit the like button on this video. Johnny Boy, I've enjoyed it as always. We'll uh, probably see you on the next Beat the Drop, which God knows when it will be with Christmas and New Year falling on a Monday. But thank you so much, John. And uh, come on, you Reds. Don't say any cherry crap. Sports Social Podcast Network.